Good evening, thanks for coming. Tonight's class of CD this week is dedicated by uh, Izzy Bestamsky, and this is in honor of his father's yard site. This coming Shabbos, Rabbi Avram Yitzchak, Ben Rabbi Yisrael. May he have a very great aliyah. Tezayin Adar is the yard site, to the greatest of heights, and may he channel lots of wonderful, 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 fantastic blessings to you and your family, both in the material and in the spiritual, um, and a very, very, very happy Purim to you. The Gemara tells us uh, that this week is Parsha Sav, but it's also uh, Purim this week, and intentionally we move the class to Sunday so that we can get the CDs out in time and that people can listen before before Purim. Um, so the Gemara tells us a Mesechtis Megillah, a very strange story. The Gemara says that Rabbah and Reb Zera once got together and they had their Purim meal together. Rabbah and Reb Zera, okay, two of the uh, sages of the Talmud. And the Gemara says that Rabbah, come, come Rabbah, v'shachtel Reb Zera. That Rabbah got up and he shechted Reb Zera. Pretty frightening. He, they drank wine, and I guess in the intoxication, Rabbah took a knife, which would seem like, and he slaughtered Reb Zera. He shechted him. And the next day, after his wine, I guess, wore off, and he sees what he did, he prayed, and he davened, and he resurrected him. He brought him back to life. So next year, Rabbah invited Reb Zera again to the Purim party. So Reb Zera said, um, I think I'll pass. Um, he didn't accept the invitation, and he said, not, not, an, not every time does a miracle happen. He's not going to rely on the miracles of resurrection. It might not happen like last year. That's the story. Which obviously is a very, very strange story. What does it mean that Reb Rabbah would shecht Reb Zera? Uh, we know that true on Purim was supposed to get intoxicated, to the point where we don't know the difference between cursed is Haman and blessed is Mordechai. But that doesn't mean, God forbid, that we say cursed is Mordechai and blessed is Haman. It means that even when you're drunk and you don't have your mind to make calculated decisions, from your essence, from your very deepest self, you cry out cursed is Haman, which means you reject evil as abhorrent, and you reach out for holiness and for Kedusha, which means you say Baruch Mordechai from your essence. It's not, God forbid, that you make a mistake. It's not, Chas V'Shalom, that you make a mistake and you confuse good for bad and bad for good. So if that's the case, what does it mean that Rabbah got so drunk and he shechted Reb Zera. So um, the Lubavitcher Rebbe gives a fascinating insight into it. And he explains that we just had the Parsha last week of Karbanais. And what are, and we wonder, because the Torah talks so much, the whole Sefer Vayikra that we're going to be learning now is all about Karbanais. This week's Parsha, Parsha Tzav, also begins Zos Torah Sa'ola. So what are we Jewish people? We're butchers. And, and our holiest place in the world, at the place of the Beis Amigdash, we have nothing better to do than kill animals. But that's not what it means. 
Shechita is not murdering animals. The idea of Shechita is, the Gemara says, Ein v'shachat ela umashach. That v'shachat means to draw. To draw means to lift something up, to pull something, like the words Meshicha. You're kind of something, you acquire something through doing a Meshicha, you pull the object towards you. So over here we're taking the animal. The animal is in a lowly state. As we know in Hasidus and Kabbalah, we, talk, we spoke about this many times, everything in the material world is under the spell of Klippa. Until Klippa means the unholy, the shells, the external forces. And we, we, only the human being, has the ability to redeem them from their shell, to extract them from their unholy state and reconnect them to God. When you make a karban, when you offer a sacrifice, that's what you're doing. You're pulling the soul of the animal out of its darkness and you're reuniting this animal, subsuming it in Hashem's light. You're taking the animal and putting it on the, car, on the fire, on the mezbeach. It's becoming absorbed, it's becoming pulled in, into, into holiness. So now, once we know, and that's what a karban I saw, that's the meaning of a shachat, shechat. So now let's re-examine the story of Rabbah and Reb Zeira. There was, a, there was a Purim meal. And during the Purim meal, what do you do? You drink. And we know that drinking, nichnas yayin yatsa soid. Wine takes away all inhibitions and removes the filters. So what happened was, Rabbah started revealing secrets of the Torah. Now if you look at the names of Rabbah and Reb Zeira, you see something interesting. Rabbah means large, and Zeira means small. The word Rabbah, everything is in a name. Rabbah comes from the word Rav, like for Rav, Yavod. Rav means big. A lot, much, a lot, big. Zeira means small. The Marsha says that the real name of Zeira is not Zeira. His name is Zeira, with the ayin. Just you don't hear the ayin, so it remains Zeira, but his real name is Zeira. Zeira means small. It actually says that he was a shorty. He was a little guy, Reb Zeira. And that's why he maybe was called Zeira, short guy. Anyways, Rabbi and Reb Zeira are having the meal together. What's happening? If Rabbi is big and large, doesn't mean physically big, and Zeira happened to be physically small, but that was a reflection of his spiritual vessels as well. Rabbi had very, very, very broad vessels, very big containers. Zeira had a very, very low, Reb Zeira had a very small capacity. His kalim were, I mean, at least comparison, of course, we would meet Reb Zeira, we would see a... <laughs> But we're talking about at least comparative to Rabbah, his vessels were very small, his containers were small. So when Rabbah started revealing secrets of the Torah to Reb Zeira, he overloaded him with too much energy and too much information. And that excited Reb Zeira so much that Reb Zeira, in Yiddish there's an expression as Arois fin de Kalim. Arois fin de Kalim means when someone goes out of, out of their mind with excitement. That's what happened to Reb Zeira. He, 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 he got so excited, but, and maybe he died, Itaka died. But he died not because he shechted him with a knife. He died because he expired. Because of his great excitement and love for Hashem that he experienced. He took him up to such levels of spirituality that Reb Zeira couldn't handle. And as a result of that, Reb Zeira's soul just became reconnected to its source and he died. Rabbah needed to bring him back. And, by, and, and the way Rabbah did that, uh, he davened for him the next day. The next year they wanted to do it again. He said, no, 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 I'm not going to take a chance again. Now it's interesting, why is Rabbah and Reb Zeira 
in the first place getting together. I mean, if, if, if there's such a big difference between the two, that Rabbah is so expansive, he's got what we call moichen de gadlos, he's got broad, expansive moichen, expansive of mind. And Reb Zera has got moichen de katnos, he's got small, small moichen. Why are Rabbah and Reb Zera getting together in the first place? And the answer is, I mean, you would think that these two should never sit Pachavrusa because they're not exactly the right balance where one would teach the other. And the answer is, is two inyanim. Number one, it was Purim. And Purim is a time when there is equality. Purim is like Yom Kippur. And Yom Kippur, we know that everybody's equal in Yom Kippur. That's why in Yom Kippur, right when we start the davening, we take out the Sefer Torahs and we say, We're allowing to daven with those that are sinners. Generally, there would be a problem maybe with davening with the sinners, but on Yom Kippur, we allow everybody, because Yom Kippur, such a high level of the divine is revealed on Yom Kippur, where compared to that level, there is no higher and there's no lower. Everybody's equal. We actually say it in the Yom Kippur davening. The one that ultimately equalizes high and low. Purim is a revelation of that level. That's why the opening story of the Megillah is about a big party that, party that Ahasuerus made. And who was invited to the party? It says, Asa Mishta, he made a party. From the great to the small. Everybody was equal at their party. There wasn't any, didn't, you didn't, there wasn't any, 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 any hierarchy. Everybody was invited to that party. Why? Because the whole idea of Purim is that it's a level of the divine that is revealed on Purim where there is no higher and lower. That's why we, we basically lose all etiquette on Purim in the sense of like respect. This is right. Everybody dances, everybody's crazy together because all the differences that there are between one and the other fall away because there's all equality. That's why on Purim, Rabbah and Reb Zerah sat down, even though Rabbah and Reb Zerah should never eat together, these two. They should never sit together because they're in two different worlds, but now they got together on Purim. It's interesting that what um, Haman, he did not want the equality. He fights against this equality because even though he did want to reach the place where everything is equal, where good and bad is equal, that's why he cast lots. And lots means it's a place higher than intellectual discrimination. A lottery means you're throwing it, but Haman still wanted to be the leader. He wanted everybody to bow down to him. That's why what is one of the things that Haman says? All of this is not worth it for me, but the word means this is not equal to me. Haman is fighting this equality. He doesn't want this level of So interesting, it says that Haman had grandchildren. Haman is a malik. It's a very strange thing. You know that Amalek is allowed to convert to Judaism, even though we have to erase Amalek, but they're allowed to convert. There's no prohibition against conversion of an Amaleki. Haman's grandchildren were converted to, the, to Jew, and they learned Torah in B'nai Barak. That's what it says. And the Gemara says, who, one, of the, one of the people who learned Torah in B'nai Barak, his name was Reb Shmuel Barshelis. Shmuel Barshelis. He was an anacle of Haman. And what was he? He was a Malamed Tanoikis. He was a Rebbe for children. The fact that he was a Rebbe for children, what, is, what does it mean to be a Rebbe for children? You have Gadol and Katan coming together. Usually children hang out with their... 
Usually children hang out with their own buddies, with their own friends. And adults hang out with their own friends. Where do you have children and adults sitting together? A teacher in a school, in a pre-1A, so the teacher is an adult and sits on the floor and plays with children. Because you know why? Because in a pre-1A, there's such holy, there's such godliness, there's such, in a kindergarten and a nursery, there's such holiness. It's a level where everybody's equal. I just came up with that right now, but that's not a bad idea. That, that the holiness of a, of, of a nursery and a kindergarten, where little kids and the teachers sit together on the same level, is because the divine presence on, uh, that, that resides in a place with these little children is on a place so high where the adult and the ch- child is equal. But in any case, Haman's, Haman's grandson made a tikkun on Haman. How did he make a tikkun on Haman? Because he, 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 he was a malamed tenoikis. And here's even better than that. Shmuel bar Shelis, his father's name is Shelis, the Rasha Tevis of the word Shilas, Shevisi Hashem Lenegdi Samid. Shevisi, everything equal. So he had a little, some kind of a tikkun on Haman's anti-equality that Haman was fighting against. But in any case, the Megillah is a story where everybody's equal. That's why Rabbah and Reb Zeira got together to have Sudas Purim together. Another interesting idea about the two of them getting together. We know that the whole miracle of Purim happened. It was a miracle. Here, it was a miracle that was enclosed in nature. The miracle of Purim is a nace that's melubish beteva. It's enclosed in nature. Generally, you have either nature, and nature conceals the divine, or you have a miracle, which a miracle reveals the divine. But the story of Purim is that even within nature, there was a miracle. Spiritually, and, and where, what, is, what does that indicate? What's the source in Hashem's name that's the source of nature? What's the source of God's name? Which name of Hashem is the source of Teva, of nature? The name Elohim. Elohim is the name of Tzimtzum. Elohim is the name of God that represents Gevura, strength. And God's strength, Eze Gibor, what's called the Gibor HaKovesh, as Yitzro. One who, can, one who is able to conquer his inclination, which means one who is able to restrain himself. So God's power of restraint is the power of Gevura. And that's why when Hashem restrains himself not to be visible in the world, and to allow the world to run in a predictable manner that seems like it's running on its own without a master, without a creator, that comes from the name of Elohim. Elohim is Gematria 86. It's the exact Gematria of Ha-Teva. Ha-Teva is Gematria 86, the name of Elohim. Where do miracles come from? Miracles come from the name of Yudke-Vavke, the Tetragrammaton, that which is beyond time and space. The word, the name Havaya, Yudke Vavke, we know re- represents the idea that Hashem is Hoya Hoya at the same time. He's above time. That's why past, present, and future are all together. So usually miracles that are from beyond nature, like the miracles of Yitzhiya Mitzrayim, with those miracles broke nature. There it says, V'yadaitem Kiani Hashem. What did Pare say? Lo Yadaitias Hashem. I don't know the tetragrammaton. He knew of the name of Elohim. That's why when Yosef speaks to him, Yosef says to him, Elohim yana eshalom paro. Elohim will speak to you. Because Paro recognized the name of Elohim. But he didn't recognize the transcendence of God, which is the name Yudke Vavke. 
that he didn't acknowledge, that he didn't want to recognize. So usually those miracles come from the Shema Vaya. And the other miracles, the miracles, the, the, the miracles of um, the miracles of um, the, 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 sorry, nature comes from the name of Elohim. Nature comes from the name of Elohim. And um, miracles come from Shem Havaya, Yudke Vavki. What's the Chiddush of Purim? What's the novelty of Purim? There were miracles, but the miracles were enclosed in nature. That means there was a unification of Avaya and Elohim together. There was a unification of Avaya and Elohim together. Now I need you to do a little math, everybody together over here. What's the math we need to do? If you take the name of Elohim, three times 86, plus three times Yudke Vavke, three times Elohim, and three times Yudke Vavke, is the exact gematria of 336, which is the gematria of Purim. Purim comes from the unification of Havaya and Elohim three times. Why Havaya and Elohim three times is Purim? Why three times? I understand. The connection of Yudke Vavke with the name of Elohim, that I understand. First of all, 26 plus 86 is how much? 86 plus 20 is 106 plus another 6. 106 plus another 6 is 112. 112 times 3, 336. So 336 is Gematria Purim, the exact word Purim, which is Havaya Nelokim three times. Why three times? Because here's an amazing thing. The, the whole idea of the name of Elohim means when divine, when divinity contracts, when godliness contracts, when, div- when, when the divine becomes, limits itself. It's called Moichen Dekatnos. Moichen Dekatnos means when there is a, 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 a spiritual contraction. It's called Moichen Dekatnos. Moichen Degadlus means expansive Moichen. Shem Havaya, the name Yudke Vavke, is expansive Moichen. Shem, um, shem um, Elohim is Moichen Dekatnos, when things become very contracted. Now, since there's three Moichen, what are the three Moichen? Chachma, Bina, Das. And all three of them are in a state of Godlus and Katnus. Godlus means big, large, and Katnus means small. That's why there's three Elohims. Three Elohims are the three Mochen de Katnus, when the Mochen become contracted. Three Havayas are the three Mochen when they are still in an expansive state, in a broad state. That's interesting. When the Jews went down to Mitzrayim, <clears throat> when you look at a human being, what's the narrowest part of a human being? The narrowest part of a human being is their neck. The neck is the narrowest part. Then after the neck, a person becomes wide, and even the head is a little wider. But the neck is where things narrow down. It's called Mitzrayim. All Golos has to do, when we go down to Mitzrayim, Mitzrayim is narrow. Now, in Mitzrayim, this area, the neck is also called Garon. Garon, which means the throat, the neck. Now the word Garain is the exact gematria of three times Elohim. Three times Elohim means the mochendi become very narrow, very contracted. 
the mochen become very contracted, very constricted. And that's what happens in the neck. So, Purim, that's gematria goroid. But when you add to it, so how do you sweeten these judgments? How do you come out of gullus? How do you come out of these constrictions? You bring the mochen de gadlus, the expansive mochen, into the mochen de katnas. Which means you have to take the mochen havaya, you have to be mamsha havaya into elokim. Interesting, that's why the miracle of Purim began. The first thing to turn around, the first indicator that a miracle is happening, was Mordechai, Mordechai HaTzadik met three children. And Mordechai said to these, these three children, tell me your psukim. The children were coming, me beis sefer. they were coming from school. Why did Mordechai meet three children? Because three children, who has moichen dekatnos? Who has small mochen? Narrow mochen? Children. Children have un- undeveloped mochen. So they are the three mochen of Elohim that are small. What was the miracle? The miracle was, was, first of all, that these three kids didn't stay home from school. They went to Beis HaSefer. They went to school. What's the, what's, the, what's, the, what's the accomplishment of going to Beis HaSefer to going to school? In school is where you take mochen de katnos, small mochen, and you broaden it. You give information. You teach. You broaden the mochen. So their children were coming from school means that the Moichen de Katnus was receiving revelation from Moichen de Gadlus. And that's why he asked them, what is your psukim? And they all told him, the, one of them told him the pasuk, Utsu Eitzah V'sufar, Dabru Dover V'loyakum, right? The three, Altira Mipachat Pisaim, Utsu Eitzah V'sufar. These three psukim, in other words, the Giyula came by bringing in the three times Havaya into the narrowness of the three times Elohim. So these are the three children, where each children was coming from the Beis HaSefer, and each one told them a Pasuk, which was the, causing an expansion in the Moich and the Katnos, in this name of Elohim. And that's why what's Purim? What's the gematria of Purim? Three times Havaya and Elohim together. And that's also the reason why, in order to annul the decree of Purim, they went and they fasted three days, and what does the Pasuk say? Laila v'yoyim, night and day. What's night? Night is Shem Elohim, darkness, concealment. What's day? Shem Havaya, day, light, broadness. What is the miracle? How did you annul the, the miracle, the, the decree of, of Haman? The decree of, of, how did you annul the decree? You annulled it by bringing down the three, um, connecting three days to three nights. Being Mamsha Havaya into the name of Elohim. And when you connect in Havaya and Elohim three times, we, we illuminated this, this constriction, this narrowness, and there, was a, and there was a miracle of Purim. That's the reason why, by the way, another thing, the Medrash tells us, a very fascinating Medrash, that a Medrash Rabbah, that before the whole story happened, Mordechai had a dream. On the second year of Ahasuerus' kingdom, he had already a, a dream which foretold the entire story of the... I mean, it was all, of course, a mushal. He saw a, na- he saw a little nation being swallowed up by mighty waves, a mighty storm, which was an indication the Jewish people are going to be swallowed up. And then how someone comes and saves it. I have to reread the Medrash exactly, but it all came to him in a dream. The word chalam, what's a dream? A dream is as follows. First of all, when does a dream happen? A dream happens when you're sleeping. What's sleeping? Broad mochen or narrow mochen? 
When you're sleeping, you're in a state of constricted moichen dekatnas. That's why the galos, which is compared to a time of moichen dekatnas, is compared to a sleep. Ani yeshena, we're asleep. What's a dream? Cholam, which is 38. Cholam, ches lamed mem is gematria 38. 38 is 3 times 26. Sometimes Cholam is gematria 78. Cholam. Lamed mem is 70. Plus ches is 8. So Cholam is gematria what? 78. 78 is 3 times 26. 3 times Havaya. So in the dream, what's happening? Because Havaya is 26. 26 times 3 is you're taking the three moichen de gadlos and you're bringing it into the sleep. So that's why where does the beginning of the miracle happen? It becomes to Mordechai in a dream. Because what's really happening is that there is going to be now a sweetening of these three constrictions. We're going to be illuminated by the, 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 the moichen de gadlos, the broadness of three times Havaya, of the three times Yud Kei That's the reason why on Purim, now how much is Megillah? What's the gematria of Megillah? Mem and Lamed. Mem and Lamed is 70. Mem and Lamed is 70. Gimel and Hay is 8. Megillah is gematria three times Yudke Vavke. What are we doing? Hakoires on Megillah. We read the Megillah. What does that mean? What are we doing by the Megillah? We're drawing down the three Yudkevav case to illuminate the three darknesses of the name of Elohim. And we create Purim. Because what's the Gematria of Purim? Both of them together, the three Yudkevav case together with the three Elohims, illumination. And what kind of miracle do you have? You have a miracle where the, where the divine is, re, is enclosed in nature. See what's going on? The whole thing is all working together. That's why, who has the meal of Purim together? Rabba and Reb Because Rabba is what? Moichen de Gadlas. He's expansive Moichen. What's Reb Zeira? Reb Zeira is very constricted. The Gemara says about Reb Zeira that he never laughed all his life. So he was full of dinim, full of judgments, for a very constricted person. And Rabbi needed to lighten him up. That's why what did Rabbi do? Come Rabbi v'shachter l'rabzeira. When he shechted him, what he really, what he really meant did was he removed this, this, he made him laugh. That's really what he did. And for him, because he laughed, he felt like he was shechted. He really took him out of his constrictions and of his limitations. That's what I mean. And where do you do shechita? By the neck. By the neck is where in Rabzeira itself, in the most constricted point of Rabzeira, where he has his neck, these are these three constrictions. What's in the neck? These are the three ministers of Pare. The, 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 the esophagus, the, uh, the other one, what's it called again? The, um, the breathing tube, the windpipe, and then there is also the arteries, which are the three which make up Mitzrayim, the constrictions of the name of Elohim. So that's the whole idea of Purim. It's the sweetening of these judgments. So therefore, since the whole Purim is all about what? Coming out of Moichen Dekatnos, coming out of the constrictions of narrow Moichen and going into broad Moichen. That's why I'd like to, this is only introduction to today's class. The introduction is that what we're going to do today is we're going to speak a lot of Kabbalah and a lot of, because uh, that's what Rabbah did. He shared secrets with Reb Zeyr. So I'm not Rabbah, 
but I came across a book this Shabbos from a very great man, a Gavar Rabbah. And he has spills. But you're listening to it, you're on your own risk because, you know, a Rabbah took Reb out of his vessels. And as I mentioned by the Shabbos year that, that Mayan Yisrael has insurance, but we don't have this in the insurance if anybody expires from too much overload of information. It's not, it's not part of this. So if you're here today and you're listening to the CD, uh, this is all. Now, whatever I mentioned to you up till now are all from the teachings of Reb Levi Yitzhak Schneerson, who is the father of the Lubavitcher Rebbe, who is a go'in adir, a just a genius of genius in Kabbalah. And if you actually have the ability to sit down one time and read one of his passages, the thrill and entertainment, I can't believe there's any other entertainment in the world that is as thrilling and as enjoyable as going through it, but it's so cryptic. And you really have to sit and sit with a calculator with hundreds of papers and try to figure out exactly what making all these calculations. But in any case, um, the Megillah, what we're really getting from here is that the Megillah is super holy, super godly. We're drawing down the three Havayas, the three Yudke Vavkes, to illuminate the constrictions of the name of Elohim. We're broadening our mind. So nothing is going to happen if at this class we experience a little bit mind expansion. Because since Mashiach is coming already any moment, and when Mashiach is going to come, um, we're going to all have to start being familiar with this spiritual and deeper inner code. Um, so it's, it's okay if we go beyond our moichen to a place of Adelayada. So the first idea is over here is as follows. First of all, the story of the Megillas Esther, the entire story of Purim, is very, very pertinent and very much similar to the time that we're in right now. In what sense are we similar to the time that we're in right now? Because the story of the Megillus Esther happens all the way, all the way, all the way at the end of exile. Esther is called Ayeles Hashachar. She's at the crack, at the crack of dawn, because she's at the very end of the exile, Galas Bavel, two years after the story of Purim. The Jews came back and rebuilt the second base on Mignosh. So she's at the very, very end of the exile, at the beginning. And this really was the switch. The story of Purim was really the, where, where the pendulum switched from Golos to Giyula. Even though it wasn't yet the Giyula, but it was the, what, what changed the, the state of affairs and turned us into a, into a state of Geula. And it's exactly where we're holding right now. And um, as we're going to see in, in part of the story of the Megillah, one of the main stories of the Megillah is that the Megillah plays itself out as a terrible decree that was made by Haman, who Haman is appointed by Ahasuerus, and he becomes the great, so to speak, the prime minister of the kingdom. But we know the sages tell us that Hashem put the refuah, put the healing, before he even gave us the patch, before he even gave us the wound, he already brought, he prepared the band-aid. Like a good nurse who's going to give you a blood test, prepares the band-aid and everything there to, to, to remove the pain even before she inflicts the wound. So before God inflicted the wound, he already prepared the, the redemption. So what did he do? He brought about the change from Esther. He brought about the change and he took Vashti out he removed Vashti and he put in her place, in the place of Vashti, he brought Esther. 
Now, we all understand that had that not happened before the whole story of the Megillah, then who knows what, you know, obviously the Jewish people would have been finished. So it was because Esther was placed before Va- in place of Vashti. As we're going to see soon, that this switch from Vashti to Esther represented a major, deep, inner switch in the wiring of the cosmos. Okay, hear that. There was a great shift in the entire flow of energy into the universe. Because what was really happening is the idea of Vashti ruling means Vashti represents what we call Malchus de Klippa. We all know in general, we know that all female characters in the Torah are always Malchus. For example, our matriarchs, Sarah, Rivka, Rachel, and also all the other heroines in the Torah, Esther, Hannah, whoever is spoken about in the Torah, uh, Devorah Hanaviah, all of them are always in Malchus. How come you always have so many people in Malchus? Because the attribute of Malchus has many nuances, has many spherot to it. So Sarah, for instance, represents Keser Malchus. Even Chava, Chava is also Malchus. So all the names, everybody's a different dimension of Malchus. But that's holy Malchus. These are Tzitkaniyas, these are righteous women. When you have a wicked woman, so what does that represent? Wicked dominion, wicked Malchus. Malchus Harasha'a, the wicked Malchus. Vashti represents unholy dominion. The dominion, the forces of Klippa that dominate the world. Now, why was Vashti queen during that time? Because during the time of Galus, the Shekhinah goes into exile. Shekhinah, we learned so many times, is the power of divine dominion. The power of divine sovereignty. Malchus means sovereignty. It's God's sovereignty. Now we know that the power of Malchus is feminine. How does Hashem rule the world? What power does Hashem use to control, to create, and to control the world? The power of His speech. Because everything God does in the world is through His speech. Because the world is created through Devar, through Basara Mamaris Nivra Oilam. Everything is through Hashem's speech. And speech is feminine. That's why women are more prone to talking. Because speech is a feminine trait. Um, um, man represents, spiritually the man represents the emotional stage, which is a deeper inner state. And the woman is more the expression of things. So Malchus, kingdom, feminine. Esther being queen means that the Shekhinah is calling the shots, ruling the world. What happens when Vashti is queen? It means that the Malchus of Klippa is in dominion, has, has power. How does the Malchus of Klippa, how does the female queen, how does the, the power of dominion go over to Klippa? Obviously, it's not her own power. Obviously, she's, still, she's, she's deriving it from Kedusha. She's using Kedusha's power, but she is stealing it, so to speak, for her own power. That's the idea of what we call Galus Hashchina. During the time of exile, who's controlling the world? Well, whichever nation. When the Jews were in Galus and Rome, Rome was the superpower. And they were controlling the affairs of the world. And so the Jews go from country to country. What does it mean? The Shekhinah travels in exile from place to place. The Shekhinah is taken into exile. This is the idea, which is a Pasuk that says, Veshivcha ki sireish givirta. That Veshivcha means a maid 
Kisiresh, she inherits, she rules over Givirta, over her mistress. Imagine a terrible situation where you hire a maid, but then the maid is such a domineering person, she takes control over her boss, and she controls her boss, that her boss is scared of her. So to speak is this idea. Shifcha, Shifcha the maid represents Vashti, Malchus the Klippa, the unholy Malchus. And she is dominating over who? She is the the queen. Okay, during the time of Golas. I'm just going to say one more word about Vashti. The word Vashti comes from the word Shte. Shte means two. Vashti, Shte, two. Why is Malchus of Klippa called Shte, called two? Because we know that the Klippa doesn't begin, unholiness doesn't begin as abhorrent evil. They couldn't exist if they were pure, abhorrent evil. They begin as subtle evil. And the subtleties only get stronger and stronger. So in the beginning, it's a mixture of good and bad. It's like the idea of the Eitz Hadas, Tov Vera. It's what we call in Hasidus and in Kabbalah, it's always referred to as Klipas Noga. What's the Klip of Noga? It's a glowing shell. It's a mixture of good and bad. So Elio Anavi, when he speaks about this Klipa, what does he say to the Jewish people? Eliyahu and Navi is upset at them that they can't make up their mind. They, they seem to be dancing on both chasinas. He says to them, How long are you going both Lashem or Labal? Here you seem to be saying you're following God, or here you seem to be following the Avodazara, the Baal. Who are you going to? That's why Vashti is called Shtei, because she's here and there, but she's a klipa. She's a real klipa. And she's in power. Since what happens, however, when the Jewish people go back in the days of Ezra, right after the story, they go back and they rebuild the base of Migdash and they create their own kingdom, the Shekhinah is restored to her place. The Shekhinah goes out of Golas. That means which power of Malchus is there in the world? Who is the power? Who is the dominating power? The Shekhinah, Kedusha. That's why who is going... And that's Esther. Esther is going to replace Vashti. But here's an interesting thing. Even before the decree, even before Haman became big and powerful, this change needed to happen. Because Chas and the story of Purim would have happened when Vashti was still in power. Forget about it. That's what I want to say is that there's a relationship to the time that we're in right now. America has been the last power of the Klippa domineering over the world. Superpower. We know wherever most of the Jews are, that's where that country is the most powerful country. Because power comes only from God, from the Shekhinah, who is the power, who is the controller of the world. And when the Shekhinah goes into Golis, she will always go into the ministering angel, which is that Vashti, so to speak, that is in charge. And what happens is, she empowers and makes that country, because that power now receives the Shekhinah inside of it, and the Shekhinah is in exile, they have all the power. Now, America was that last power in the world. And its, and its power was for over 200 years. And an interesting thing is happening right now in front of our eyes. I mean, if anybody hasn't been hearing the footsteps of Mashiach for the last 20-something years, it's unbelievable. It's thundering already. But this is becoming so obvious that even on the most external level of our physical eyes, we're seeing America collapse. In the last eight years of the presidency, all respect and honor for this country has gone away in the world. 
People are not afraid anymore. You carry an American passport, it doesn't carry the same clout like it used to. People were afraid of an American, now it's a joke. Why? And then, we're holding now right before an election, and we're seeing madness, we're seeing craziness. We're seeing that literally there's no one there that is now up, that is, that is, that is, uh, it's like the country, and it's, it's so funny because it's a democracy. So democracy means we have all the choice. The people can choose. And the people want the... You see, God is doing something over here. You see, like the country became insane. We turn to the right side. Like I say, we say in, in Davening, there's a Pasuk, Panim Yamin On the right, there seems to be someone who's totally a lunatic. And we go on the left side, we see... I mean, there's no leadership. And I think, again, these are my own thoughts, but to me, to me it's clear, but I'm, because I'm sharing this publicly, I'm going to say I think, but I, it, I'm very certain of this. That what's really happening is because we're coming to the time already when, when the Shekhinah is coming out of exile and she's ex- being extracted from America. So that's why, and it's time for Mashiach to take the throne of leadership. And that's why Al-Kisai lo Yeshev Zar, on his th- throne, no other, an alien will not sit. So that's why we're seeing that there's absolutely no leadership. And it's all coming apart. Because it's right now the time so we're really the same story of Megillah Esther. We're holding by the switch from Vashti to Esther. So now let's take a little bit of a look and understand the mechanics of that switch. What really, how did that switch come about? So let's just reveal a phenomenal secret from Rebbe Levi Yitzchak of Rebbe Levi Yitzchak uh, uh, Schneerson that I mentioned earlier from his Sefer Lakuti Levi Yitzchak in explaining the inner Kabbalistic dynamics would you bring about this change? But before I get to that, I just want to say one more interesting thing. If we take a look at the whole entire setting of the Megillah, we see that the Megillah, being that it's a, it's a holiday that happens during the time of exile, it's a miracle that happened during the time of the exile. Like I had spoken about in the beginning of the year, that the, even the miracle is a concealed miracle. That's why Purim is three times Yudke Vavke enclosed in the three times um, the name Elohim, which means the miracle itself, it's couched in nature, it's couched in concealment. That's why Esther is called Esther. Malashem Vanoichi Aster, Aster, it's Hashem is concealed, it's not Mamish Op, like in the time of Geula, time of redemption. That's why the whole story of Purim is very, very strongly associated with Yitzchak. When do you have the story of Purim connected to Yitzchak? Because in Galas we know the time of Geula, the Jewish people are experiencing divine chesed, kindness. Because chesed is kindness, and kindness means revelation. When there is kindness, means that God is revealed. And then Yitzchak is Gevura. What's Gevura? Gevura, as we said in the beginning of the class, is God restraining himself, God hiding himself. And that's why Yitzchak is associated with the time of exile in the sense and we know that when, when did the first exile of the Jewish people begin? When Yitzchak was born. Because we know, we count, it, it, it fully manifested when Yosef was, went down to Mitzrayim. But where did it really start? What was the kernel of it? We know that the Yidden were decreed, it was decreed 400 years of exile, and there's no 400 years, we're only 210 years. Yitzchak was born, Galus begins. Why is Yitzchak's birth? So I believe Yitzchak of Bardichev says, it's different. he says the reason why his name was Yitzchak too. Why is Yitzchak's birth bring Galus? Because Yitzchak is judgment, is Gevuris. And when, the, when Yitzchak is born, there is a new channel in the world. It's the channel of Gevura and of divine concealment. However, we know that Yitzchak is also means laughter. 
Because we know what's the whole point of the, of the Gullus. It's God playing peekaboo. Why does God hide? So that we can, what, what does a mother hide from a child? What does a father play a game, hide and seek? So when the child will find him, what will they do? They laugh. So the whole point of Yitzhak is to bring to such laughter. Every bit of concealment that any single one of us experiences in our life, any time of frustration, any time of hardship, any loss, any type of thing that gets, that's gullous, it's horrible, it's hiding. Why are you hiding? God is only hiding, so you should continue looking, and when you find Him, you both laugh. So Yitzchak is the ultimate laughter. After the gullus, what's going to happen? Tzchoik, laughter, what does Sarah, what does Sarah say? Tzchoik, asali, Elohim. Elohim is the power of Gevura. Tzchoik, it will lead to laughter. That's why the opening story of the Megillah is a mishtegadol. Let's read the Megillah. Let's open up the Megillah. The Megillah is Bishnas Shalos Lamolchay Asa Mishte. He made a Mishte Lachol Sarov Lavadov. He made a Mishte, and then later it says, I think, he made a Mishte Gado. Hold on. I think they made a second party. There it says again, Mishnah. But I think in the Megillah, one second, after Esther, maybe after Esther is appointed. Oh, when Esther was appointed, it says, Vayas HaMelech, Mishnah Gadol. He made a big Mishnah. A big party, a big drinking party. Where else do we find Mishnah Gadol, a big Mishnah? It says that Avram Avinu made a Mishnah. B'yoyim higam eles Yitzchak. Right? On the day that Yitzchak was, right after Yitzchak was born, and then Yitzchak was weaned from his nursing. So it says over here, give me a moment. The Pasuk says, Vayas Avra Mishte Gadel. Avra made a Mishte Gadel. There is a drinking party by Yitzchak, and where else? By the Megillah, there's a Mishte Gadel. Now, when does Avra make that Mishte? When does Avram make the Mishnah? Biyayim hi gomel as Yitzchak. The day that Yitzchak was weaned. Look at the word hi gomel. Hi gomel, rearrange the letters, Megillah. Hi gomel, Megillah. See, the Megillah is there. You see how it's there? These things are huge. It's not just little. Everything fits. Biyayim hi gomel. How long was Ahasuerus' Mishnah that he made? The first party that he made. Shmoinem uma asyayim, 180 days. How long did Yitzchak live? 180 years. Following? Yitzchak's life is 180. How long is Achashverosh's Mishta Gadol? 180 years. The whole story of the Megillah is narrated, becomes, or, or unfolds around what? Every, every major event in the Megillah unfolds around drinking wine. By which one of our others do we find wine drinking? Go through Avram's life, you never see even one sip of alcohol. Go through Yaakov's, there's no wine. It does say one place it says wine by Yaakov. It doesn't say it in the Pasuk. It says that Yosef sent to Yaakov from the best of Mitzrayim. So Rashi says he sent him aged wine. But in the Pasuk it doesn't say. 
The only person that it mentions wine is it says by Yitzchak, when he wanted to bless his sons. It says, they brought him wine, and he drank. Yitzchak is associated with wine, like the Megillah story happens with wine. But now, let's continue. What are you supposed to do with wine on Purim? You're supposed to drink wine so much. Until you lose your mind. Until you don't know. Until you know, don't know the difference between utter. Until you reach Loyada, you don't know. Which one of our forefathers is the only one of our forefathers that it says by them Loyada, they don't know. By which one? Avram never says Loyada. By Yaakov, it doesn't say Loyada. The only. The only time it says Lo Yada is by Yitzchak. Yitzchak calls Esav and he tells him, I'm getting close to the end of my life. Lo Yadaiti, I don't know. So the only one of our forefathers who was holding Bayada Lo Yada, who was the only one is Yitzchak. And what doesn't he know during that time? What doesn't he know? Where is his kind of confusion? He wants to bless Esav instead of Mordechai. Instead of, instead of Yaakov. And the end, who does he bless? Yaakov. So that's the difference. What are you not supposed to know between Ur Haman and Baruch Mordechai? And that's where Yitzchak is holding. But in the end, what's his choice? Baruch Mordechai and Ur Haman. So you see how everything is amazing. The whole story of the Megillah is wrapped in Yitzchak's energy. Okay? Because it's a time of exile. It's the time of Elohim. But what do we have to do with the name of Elohim? That's what we spoke. We have to sweeten the judgments of Shem Elohim. We need to make Akoiras HaMegillah. We need to draw down three times Yudke Vavke to illuminate the narrowness, the constrictions of the name of Elohim. The first thing we do is by removing Vashti and putting Esther in her place. So how do we do that? So let's again take a look at the Megillah and see a very interesting thing. The Megillah says, Imala Melech Toiv, this is in Perek Aleph, after the after the story. You know what? Let me, let, me, let me first. I was thinking to skip this, but um, it's really, really interesting. So I'm going to do it very quickly. The, the king is trying to find out Kedas Malasais. Um, what to do with Vashti. Kedas Malasais. He wants to know what should he do with Queen Vashti. That's the words. Kedas Malasais. Kedas simply means according to the law. Malasais, what should he do by Malkavash? So what's the meaning of the word kedas? So there's a very interesting idea. I spoke about this earlier this year in a shir, that there's an interesting, one of Hashem's names, it's called Shem Kedas, which is the gematria Tafchav Dalit. Tafchav Dalit is the name Kedas. Tafchav Dalit, equal 424. What's interesting is it's Gematria Mashiach ben David. Exact numeric value of Mashiach ben David is Tafchav Dalit, 424. Obviously, pretty awesome, powerful name. It says that this name, Tafchav Dalit, is engraved on Mashiach's forehead. He has it on his forehead. But what's the content of it? 424 comes from the words Yitzchak together with Gevurah. Yitzchak, oh, because I forgot something to say something before. Okay, let me go back a minute. 
What's the gematria of Yitzchak's name? 208. Remember I'm saying the whole story of Purim is connected to Yitzchak? Haman, who is the antithesis, who is the main enemy, the Gemara says he has 208 children. Verav Banav. It says he had lots of children. He had 208 children. Why? Because he's the antithesis to Yitzchak. Just now going back. Yitzchak is Gematria 208. What did we say before? Yitzchak is, is, represents which attribute of God? Gevura. Gevura is Gematria 216. You'll do the math later. Gevura is 216. 216 and 208. 424. So 424 represents the name 424 is Gevura and Yitzchak. So obviously, what does that tell you? What's the character of that name? Intense Gevura. Why does Mashiach have it on his forehead? Well, Mashiach has to have powerful radiation to kill the cancer in the world, which is all evil in this world. Mashiach is going to eradicate the Seruach HaTumah Avim The power of impurity is going to remove from the earth. He's going to do it through the name Kadat, which is the name 424, in which he's going to unleash on the Klippa. And through that, he's going to eradicate. That's like a powerful radiation or some kind of a chemo that's going to kill and burn out and destroy all Klippa in the world. Why that number? So he explains that in the Zohar it says there are 24 courthouses. Powers of din, the powers of judgment in heaven are 24. That's why when Rabbi Akiva's students died during the time of Sphira, which is a time of dinim of judgments, how many students were died? 24,000. In the days of Pinchas, when, um, what was his name, uh, Zimri, went and took the Midianite woman, and there was a terrible plague that fell out again on the Jewish people. How many Jewish men died? It was a Magaifa, 24,000. Because 24 is a number associated with din, with judgments. He gives an explanation why that number is very harsh judgments, but it's a little too much for today's class, so I'm going to skip on that. But in any case, that's 24. Then we know that when Esav was coming against Yaakov, he was bringing along with him, how many people? 400 men. So 400 is another power of din. So how many dinam are there altogether? 400 men coming with Esav, the power of 400. And there is another 24. So the 400 plus the 24 gives you 424. That's the power of the summarize of all the dinam, all the judgments. Now what, is, what, is the whole, what are we trying to do over here? Vashti is in power. In order to eliminate Vashti, Kedos Malasais B'malka Vashti. We want to imply, we want to unleash, Kedos, who's the V'yoymer HaMelech? Who's the Melech? The Melech is God. God is getting frustrated, Hashem is getting frustrated that His Malka, that His Queen, that means His dominion power is the Klippa. That means that the Klippa is taking the Abishter's energy from, away from the Shekhinah, it's going into the Klippa, it's going into Vashti, Klippas Noga, she's ruling. So God, He wants to rid Himself from Vashti. So how does He shake her off? How does He throw her off? So Kedos, He applies, Kedos Malasos, 
24 plus 400 dinim, and those 24 plus 400 dinim, which is going to be radiated to Vashti, and they're going to eliminate her. Esther is going to take her place. And what does Esther say in the Megillah? I'm going to come to the king. Esther wants to come connect and become the queen, but she doesn't want these harsh judgments. Remove the 424 judgments. It should be just the light of the king's countenance without the judgments, without the harshness. Just an interesting insight. But now let's continue further. There's another very, man, this was the main, main idea that I wanted to discuss in today's share. We'll try to do it very briefly. But It says like this, why is the Shekhinah so vulnerable to being taken over by the Klippa? As we mentioned earlier, which part of God goes into exile? The last and final Sephira, the final attribute. Hashem has ten attributes through which He channels light. The last attribute, which is called Malchus, goes into the four, goes into Klippa and can be Chas taken advantage of by the Klippa. That's why we say Raglaha Yeredes Maves. Her feet go down into a place of death. The Klippa goes into a very low place. Rachel is the Shekhinah. And what does it say by Rachel? Rachel, it says, Rachel like a sheep that lets herself, she's silent when they shear her wool. That means the klipa comes and takes off the wool from the shechina, they're taking, they're deriving energy from her. And she's quiet. And that's why people say about the Jewish people when the, during the Holocaust, like sheep to the slaughter. Why the example of sheep? Because sheep, the shechina is sheep. Why is the Shekhinah so susceptible to Klippa, to the unholy? In general, we know that women represent Shekhinah as feminine. Women are far more susceptible for the powers of evil, to the powers of darkness to get into them. Not in a negative way to sin, God forbid, but that we know that there's more laws pertaining to impurity in regards to women than to men. Men, Women have a, a... a man can become impure, but it's not part of his natural body. It's not part of a natural system. But by a woman it is. And the reason for that is because there can be much more yanika sachitzonim from the Shekhinah. Why? That's why a woman has to cover her hair if she's married. Because the shekh- In other words, what does it mean yanika sachitzonim? Let me just explain that for one moment. Yanika sachitzonim means, today we can understand it really well with technology. It means when you're when you get hacked, when someone hacks your computer, that means because when someone hacks your computer, what happens? They enter into your private place and they steal your bank accounts, they steal your information, they can even steal your identity. And then you have an identity theft, that's what happens with the Shekhinah. They steal her identity. They claim they rule the world and they're not ruling, God is ruling the world. How, why is the Shekhinah in such a vulnerable state? And the answer is, because the godly life force that's in the Shekhinah is very, very mitigated, very contracted, very, very limited. And we understand why the godly energy that's within the Shekhinah is very mitigated. Because the Shekhinah has to become the source for the finite creation. If God's light would illuminate into the Shekhinah without this, would not be mitigated, 
then the Shekhinah would be projecting infinite revelation, infinite light, and that would blow the world to pieces. That wouldn't allow a finite world. That's why the Shekhinah is primarily constructed not through Chesed, but she's constructed primarily through Gevura. What creates the Shekhinah is Gevura. Because Gevura means what? Restraint. The Shekhinah needs to have many... Re- and let's, let's, take in, 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 let's turn this all into in a way that we can understand it and identify it. What did I say earlier? What's the power of Shekhinah? The power of Shekhinah is divine speech. To talk, speech. What is the main power in speech? What's the main... Not power. What's the main um, uh, uh, chemistry that makes speech? What's the main character of speech? Is that you have... I have an emotion. I have a feeling. I have a feeling. But the feeling is a very... Just one simple feeling. I'm excited. I love. I hate. Whatever the feeling is. When you take that feeling and you put it into words, what do words do? What's the whole idea of words? Words chop it up into little pieces. You take one general idea and you make it into parts. Then I take this one emotion or I take this one idea. This whole share that I'm giving today is one concept, one idea that, I, that in my mind when I'm reading in the book, it can all be wrapped up in, 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 in 10 minutes of thinking. But when you have to give it over and you have to put it into words, what are you doing? What do words do? You have to chop it up into many words. Sentences and the sen- First you have, let's go from, first, the entire idea is conveyed in an entire chapter. But the chapter is made up of a bunch of paragraphs. And the paragraphs are made up of sentences. And the sentences are made up of words. And the words are made up of letters. And you put it all together, you'll get a full idea. You see, it's little pieces. How do you make letters? How do you actually manufacture letters? You have five organs of speech. Do you know what the five organs of speech do? The five organs of speech restrain the sound. How do you create an L sound and an M sound and an N sound? We spoke last week in the show about letters. How do you create all these sounds? It's because what's happening is you have sound coming out. The sound is a plain, simple sound. Ah, and when it goes into your mouth, you start interfering. You put your tongue in, you put your lips in, you block the sound and it's bouncing. It's, and because it's being blocked, that's what's giving it what? It's, it's, it's like a cookie cutter. It's cutting, the, it's cutting the otherwise general sound into pieces. That means that malchus is built from what? From gevura. From Gavur. Because there is a lot of... Oh, but here's the idea. The Gavura has to be balanced Gavura. If the Malchus gets too much Gavura, that means if the Gavuras become too harsh, too restrictive, then she becomes susceptible to ha- being hacked. Because there's no godly revelation there at all, so the Kalipas are not afraid of her. If there is not a lot of if the Gevuras are not so strong, then there is more revelation coming into Malchus, the Klippas are afraid of her. So again, whenever you want the Klippas to run away, you have to add more chesed, more expansion into Malchus. The, if there's too much, again, Malchus cannot be without Gevura. We say it in Davening, In order to have a Malchus, Malchusa, you need to have what? You need Gevura. But too much Gevura isn't good. It has to be the right balance of Gevura. Okay. Now that we have that introduction, what is going to decide if, there is in, if the Gevuras are too intense or the Gevuras are not that intense? So it depends where Malchus is receiving her Gevura from. 
It's, and I'm, I'm admitting right now this is a very Kabbalistic stuff. But please, please bear with me. If Malchus receives her Gevura from the emotions, from her husband, from the Melech, from the king, who are the emotions? We know there are ten spheros, and the ten, this prior, Malchus is the mouth. But what's prior to the mouth? The emotions that drive the words. If Malchus receives the Gevura from the six emotions, and they're channeling Gevura into Malchus, those Gevuras that Malchus receives are going to be very harsh Gevuras. Those gavuras are susceptible to corruption. They're susceptible to being hacked. If, however, Malchus receives the gavura not from her husband, from the six emotions, but she receives it from the intellect, if she sees it from her mother, who's her mother? Her mother is Bina. If the gavura comes directly from her Bina down to Malchus and not through her husband, those gavuras are perfect gavuras. And they could not be, they can't be stolen, they can't be misused, they can't be, they can't be leaked into an unholy place. So good gevurais and malchus is when it comes from bina. Bad gevurais of malchus is when it comes from, from the from the anpin. Those gevurais aren't good. Let me just explain this psychologically so we can understand this. If you need to rebuke someone, if you need to chastise someone, they need it. They need to be put in their place. If your gavura that you're now, now the actual chastising is going to be from the words you're going to speak harsh words you're going to speak criticize you're going to criticize so the criticize these are the words that's the malchus now if you're going to be emotional if you have the gavura is inside of you emotionally and you're going to you and the, the words are going to receive the criticism from the, the you're upset emotionally you have gavura in you emotionally then you're going to you have very good intentions but your words are not going to come out what constructive criticism, it's going to be destructive criticism. Instead of the words being healthy gavuris of Esther, Esther is Queen Esther, it's Malchus of holiness, it's going to become Vashti's kingdom. It's going to become bitter, harsh, crushing words. Even though you only meant to fix a person, but if you're emotionally involved, if you're upset, you can't control the, 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 these gavuris are too intense. They're going to come out, you're going to use the words you didn't want to use, and you're going to end up causing a mess. How do you chastise someone correctly? In a way that it's not going to cause destruction. It's only going to be constructive. Is if you detach yourself. You wait two days until you calm down completely. And you're not emotionally upset. You approach the criticism only from your bina, from your intellectual level. And from the binas where you, in other words, in your mind you know this is wrong, and therefore you're criticizing the person from your bina, that will end up being constructive criticism. It might be that if you're emotionally upset about it, if you're emotional, if you are subjective, then don't criticize. Go to someone else to do it. You don't be the one that will do it because you're too emotional. Does that, that make any sense? If the, if the malchus receives the gevura from bina, it will not be corrupted. If the malchus receives the gevura from her husband, from, from the emotions, which are the Zeir Anpin, then it could be corrupted. Now let's take a look at that Pasuk. Just before we, before we say that, let's just take... Just, Malchus is called Malchus, right? Devar Malchus. It's the, the Devar Malchus are the Gevurais that go into Malchus. It's called Devar Malchus, the words of Malchus. The power that goes into Malchus. So this is what was said to Achashverosh when he wants to remove Vashti. You want to remove her? This is what you do. Imala Melech Tov. 
If on the, for the king it's good, I'm going to come back to explain that in a minute. If on the king it's good, then what? Yetzei dvar malchus. Let the words of malchus go out. Milifana from before him. Him, the melech, there's melech and malka. Malka is, is, is the queen, is malchus. Who's the melech? The melech is the Zeranpin, the six emotions. It's called melech. But the, you don't give the gavura. Yetzei dvar malchus, let the dvar malchus go out. Milifana from before you. Before you means from a higher level of you, not from the emotions. Let the dvar malchus come milifana from above you. From where? Milifana also means milifne vav. From before the Vav, because we know in Hashem's name, Yud K, Vav K, Yud is Chachma, He is Bina, and Vav is the six emotions. Let the emotions come from the He, the upper He, not from the Vav. Milifne Vav, from before the Vav. And when you're going to do that, what's going to happen? And that's not going to let the Vashti, she's not going to have a place to hack. Because when the Gevuris in Malchus are from a higher place, Malchus's Gevuris are not that constricted, so the Klippa cannot come and, 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 and hack into her. That's only a tiny little bit of it, because I still want to expand on it. That's the, also the meaning of Imala Melech Tov, if in the king it's good. Because the Melech is the six emotions. And we're saying like this, what happens... Hold on. Hold on. Let the Dvar Malchus come. Let the words of... Let the harshness of Malchus come from where? Let the harshness of Malchus come from the Bina. Let it not come, the Gevura that Malchus needs, let it not come from her husband, let it not come from Amelech. And that's the meaning of Imal Amelech Tov. That means the husband should always be in a good mood. He should only apply to his wife only Chesed. He, in, in him, the, in the Zeir Anpin, there should only be Chesed. He should not be channeling any Gevuras. The Gevuras should only be intellectual. It should never be emotional. Imala Melech, and the Melech should be Toiv. Ach Tov Chesed, only Chesed. Then what? Yetzay Dvar Malchus. The Gevurais that need to go into Malchus, they should go out Milifana from before him. When that happens, what, what, what happens then? The Yekasev, let it be inscribed, Bedosei Paras Umadai. Let it be inscribed. Oh, here's the idea. In the, in the laws of Paras and Madai. Who are Paras and Madai? What does it mean? The Yekasev, let it be written, Bedosei Paras and Madai. Here is like this. The problem is that who's going to receive these Gevuras? If, if, we, if, you, if, you, if you channel the Gevura from the wrong place, it's going to end up in Vashti. You don't want that to happen. You want it to remain only in Malchus the Kedusha. The Gevura, the power, the disciplining power should only be in Malchus the Kedusha. And Esther, it should not be in Vashti, right? Malchus the Kedusha is called Paras and Madai. So first of all, the whole idea of Malchus is a country. The king over a country, over a Medina. So it makes sense that Malchus is called a country. Why Paras and Madai? Here's an interesting thing. Malchus the Kedusha is split in half. What's Malchus? Malchus is words, letters. We know that there are two letters, two levels of letters. What are the two levels of letters? Rachel, I'm sorry, Machshava and Dibur. We spoke about it in last week's year. There are higher letters. What are the higher letters? Are letters of thought. The lower letters are what? Letters of speech. And Yaakov Avinu is only one man, but how many wives does he have? Two. That means the, the nekeva, the female, the recipient is two. 
Rachel and Leah. That's the. That's why, and they are called Madai and Paras. In other words, you want the Gevurais to go down only into a holy letters, and they should go, not go into Vashti. Should not go into Vashti, we said before, is Klipas Noiga. It should not go into the Klipa. It should remain the Yekosev. Let these Gevuris be written down where? Bidasai, Bidasai in, the, in, the, in, the, in the rules of Paras and Madai. Only draw the Gevuris down into Malchus, but don't let it leak further. Why is Rachel and Leah called Paras and Madai? So first of all, the idea is that Osios, we learn this in Tanya, when you learn Tanya, we learned that Machshave and Dibor are called garments. They're not the soul, they're the garments of the soul. Madai means garment. As it says in this week's parasha, parasha Tzav, in the Chumash we learned today, it says, He should wear a, 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 a midai, midai, a shirt, Rashi's called, it's called midah. So madai means a shirt, it means a garment. Words are garments because you take ideas and you put them into the words. You enclose them in words. Madai. Paras means cut pieces. So paras and madai is because it's split. Malchus is split between Rachel and Leah. And they're both levushim. They are garments which are split on two levels. Leah and Rachel. In other words, the two levels in Malchus. The higher letters and the lower letters. But keep the gevura only in Malchus. And that's why he continues and he says... Don't let the Gevura continue on, go out. It should not go out of Malchus. It should not pass further down. Because if it will pass further down, what's going to happen? Vashti is going to be able to take. That's the word, these are the words. It should be written down, and Don't allow these Gevura to continue further. Because if it continue further, it's going to be hacked. It's going to go down to places where our... Where, where, there's, where there's klipa, where there's unholiness. And therefore, why are you doing that? Why are you not allowing the Gevura to continue further? So that Vashti should not be able to come, Lifnei That means that the Malchus of Klippa, and which I spoke today is very pertinent to today's days, we don't want any more Malchus to Klippa, we're done. It's no more. Ashaloi savei vashti amalka. Maybe everybody can have this kavana during the Megillah. That ashaloi savei vashti amalka. No more vashti amalka should not be able to come with Neamelech. We don't want any more. 2,000 years of vashti amalka being in control. We don't want that anymore. Ashaloi savei vashti amalka with Neamelech. Umalchusa and her kingdom. What does that mean? All these countries that the Jewish people have been through and that have dominated over us, they have sparks of holiness. These kingdoms have sparks of holiness. Umalchusa and her kingdom means her sparks of holiness that were in there, that were buried in there. Yitain hamelech, the king should take those sparks out. Lirousa to her friend, hatoiva mimeno, that's better than her. What is the meaning in that? Those sparks will go out of Malchus the Klippa and they will go to Malchus the Kedusha. The word lirousa, which means her friend is Gematria Ishti, my wife. In other words, the sparks of holiness will go out of the maid and will go into my wife, which is Esther Amalka, which is the Shekhinah. And when Esther receives these sparks, when the sparks of holiness that it came about as a result of the Jewish people collecting all these sparks, when we were in all the kingdoms, we were all over, we took the Malchus out, we took the dominion out, they lost their kingdom. 
what happens to Malchus the Kedusha? Hatoiva, she becomes better, mimena, from them, from it. Notice, she gains from these sparks, Hatoiva, that she becomes enriched, mimena, from them. Because we know the Jewish people going through Gullus and through all the countries that we've been. It's not stam that we come out and we're, we, you know, we barely survive. We become enriched from all the sparks of holiness that we've gained by elevating and purifying including all the nations in the world that we elevate in this process. So I don't want everyone to make the mistake when we take sparks. It doesn't mean we take sparks and we run away and the nation collapse. It means we educate, we teach, we transform the nation and we bring them under the dominion of the Shekhinah. So we don't need anymore this leader or that leader. We can have Moshiach Tzedkenu himself lead the entire world. And that's the idea, Umalchusa. And whatever sparks there was in that Malchus, Yitain HaMelech, the king will give. Le'Reusa Le'ishti to his wife. That's what the Arizal says. Le'Reusa is the same gematria as Le'ishti to my wife, which is the Shechina. Ha'toiva that has become enriched, mi menna, from those very sparks of holiness that she's taken out from them. And this is really the underlying, one of the underlying stories of Megillah Esther. And this is what we have to accomplish when we read the Megillah. Today's days, to finally break, finish this up, that the, all the sparks of holiness are absorbed in the Shekhinah and everything else is... Ruach avim in the spirit of impurity removed from the earth, let us merit to see that. Take if umiyad mamish.